Welcome to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont from DuPont Wealth Solutions. As a practicing advisor and attorney, Greg teaches pre-retirees how to reduce debt and taxes and save with less risk so they have more spendable income and plan their way to a better life. Join us for this journey where Greg draws on years of experience and guest experts to help listeners achieve more spendable income for retirement. Hello, and welcome to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont of DuPont Wealth Solutions. Greg, good to be back with you. Great to be here, Eric. How you been? I have been fantastic. I am excited about today's conversation. I, I've i got aging parents, and I know you're going to be talking about some uh, assisted care and long-term care and just some things about folks that are they're getting up there in years. And unfortunately, this has been at the top of mind. Uh, I want to be able to provide the best quality of life I can and, and help provide the best quality of life I can for my parents. And I think most people feel that way. Uh, and so I'm really intrigued about what you got to share today. Well, you know, I was reflecting upon our recent conversation with Richard Davis. Uh, Absolutely. Episodes uh, 31, 32, I think, the last couple we did. Uh, and he touched upon, uh, from an opportunity perspective, uh, mm -hmm. the uh, the ability to 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 basically uh, build your own and rent out uh, a long-term care facility, a smaller one for your parents and whomever. Remember that conversation? Oh, I, I can't get that out of my head. I mean, it, it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant what he was talking about. And I thought that, especially because he referred to COVID and how many issues nursing homes had and, and private facilities have that have so many people in there. What he described was amazing. So people need to go back and listen to that. Yeah. Yeah. What, you know, what that got me thinking is I look back through our, uh, our history together and, and I never really have, you know, addressed, uh, that particular risk, uh, mm -hmm. long-term care, although that is an area that we do focus a lot of energy on in my business. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that today, uh, okay. and, you know, heighten the awareness, talk about some of the solutions that are out there, uh, and, um, hopefully give some guidance on that. Yeah, you because know, it's a it's an incredibly difficult problem for people to deal with. You know, the, yeah, the numbers are staggering, aren't they? Well, it, my question is, I, I I've heard the number ten thousand people, boomers, is what they're really saying, baby boomers, a day are retiring. I'm curious if you happen to know, and maybe we have the stat or not, but how many people per day are going into an assisted living facility or needing to transition to some sort of care? other than themselves or they're, you know, just some family members helping them out. So um, some perspective and maybe not answering that direct number, okay. but 52% of people turning age 65 are going to need some type of long-term care over their, their lifetime. This okay, according so that's to a like study five, of a little over five grand, right? For over 5,000 people a day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is um, incredible. Uh, of those uh, the people that need it, forty percent of forty-seven percent of them are men, and fifty-eight percent are women. Because uh, because what happens? Men yeah, die first, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. We, we just quit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and of those that need long-term care, thirty-three percent of them are going to need nursing home care. Mm. Uh, so, you know, you, you spend your life saving for your retirement, mm -hmm. enjoy a few years, and then this risk is out there. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and these are the, the realities of uh, what people need to be thinking about, you know, now, you know, all long-term care can be a short period of time because the long-term care is the definition of the, the, of the nature of the service, mm -hmm. you know, but on average uh, it's two and a half years for a woman 
uh, needing long-term care and one half years for men, because as you said, we check out, right? Yeah. yeah. But 13% of individuals will need more than five years of care. So -hmm. going back to your 10,000 boomers a day hitting 65 and retiring, one out of 10 uh, is going to be needing care for more than five years. Yeah. And I want to draw a line in the sand here, I guess. Long-term care is different than assisted living, correct? Correct. Correct. There, there are all kinds of levels of care under yeah. the, the rubric of long-term care. You know, you have homemaker services, you mm-hmm. have home health aides, adult daycare, uh, assisted living facilities, um, and then you have rooms in nursing home. And, and here's some uh, numbers to chew on for people. For homemaker services, what does everybody want? Everybody wants to stay home. Yes. Uh, and at some point it may become necessary for somebody to come in to help you stay at home. Uh, and right now the national average is just under $5,000 a month for that type of service. For homemaker services. What, what does that mean? Do we, for somebody to come in and just basically keep an eye on not skilled. Okay. Okay. Because the, the distinction is from homemaker services to home health aids. Okay, so okay. we're talking just really somebody in there to monitor, help, maybe clean, you know, do some dishes, do some general cleaning. That's a homemaker service compared to home health aid, which they have some sort of license. I'm- right, and for that, they get an extra couple hundred bucks a month on average. So that's a little bit okay. over five thousand dollars a month for that type of care. Okay, and then we have adult day health care. Uh, take mom and dad over to a facility for the day, so they have companionship and someone you know, overseeing them. And that's about 1700 bucks a month for that. Mm, okay. And then we have the assisted living facilities that you spoke of. Uh, and right now the national average is about $4,500 a month for that. Okay. Okay. Uh, and then if you end up in a nursing home, you have a semi-private room or a private room. Semi-private room is averaging just under $8,000 a month. A private room is averaging just over $9,000 a month. <sighs> so, you know, we've talked, we talk a lot in this conversation that we have together about market risk oh. and income and all that stuff. When this gorilla is out there yeah. that can pounce and wipe away uh, so much money so quickly. And what people don't appreciate is uh, that when we look at you know, a, a long-term, long-term care situation, you know, four or five years, more, uh, eventually needing the government to come in and help pay or provide the care. Um, it doesn't matter if it's husband or wife's asset that's being burned. It's all looked at as one pot that yeah. needs to get burned down to enough of a level of pain that the government will finally start paying for it. Yeah. So you, I mean, if you look at, again, at the assisted, let's just say a semi-private room. Okay. If, if we were to look at that, priving, paying for private long-term care for, you know, that means that, that they're burning 50000 to $130,000 a year from their budget just for that care. 
That's and, and that's on top of. So if we're at home, on top of the other cost of living. So if something happened, and you know, you know, what type of things can happen, right? One of the things that COVID has brought to people's attention uh, is just how easy it is to lose control over your health care decision-making process. Yeah. Yeah. I went through this with my parents that between my mom and my dad over the last five years of their life, there were a handful of instances. They were, they were living, they were living together mm-hmm. in their own home, but there were a handful of instances where they, either of the two of them went into the hospital for care for various conditions. And with both of them, it was a course that was, went from in hospital care to a step down facility for a little longer term care. Mm-hmm. And then we had to establish just how they would be safe in their home before the system would, would release them to their home. Hmm. And if it weren't for the dogged efforts of my sister as their healthcare advocate, you know, at any time over the last five years of my parents' life, they could have ended up in a spot where one of them went into assisted living at mm-hmm. that $5,000 a month rate. Yeah. While the other one was still in the community. So burn, we could have burned through their assets like that. Seriously. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and what COVID one of the things that people saw is you could not get that advocate into the room to advocate. Yeah, no, for you're right. That. Yeah. And with all of the uh, protective measures that went into place, people on ventilators and such, you know, the length of stays, you know, and the weakness, you know, I, I don't know any statistics. I'm sure they'll come out, but how many people ended up going through a course, survived COVID, but ended up in a long-term care setting because mm-hmm. of that? Yeah. Okay. That's that's just talking about physical health, right? Mm-hmm. You know? And if we think about dementia, it's a whole nother ball game. Yeah. Yeah. Ten percent of Americans over the age of sixty-five have dementia. So again, ten percent. Yeah. So of those ten thousand uh, retiring, one thousand have dementia. That's thirty-eight uh, percent of Americans over the age of eighty-five. Thirty-eight percent over the age of eighty-five have dementia, <laughs> and sixty-four percent of Americans with dementia are women. Now, dementia is a broad term. It doesn't mean that uh, you're you're going to need long-term care. I mean, I think as we talked about in our, our conversations previously, one of my jobs when I have my lawyer hat on is I represent several counties in Ohio in connection with, with their mental health system. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, when people need to be put into a hospital for care, uh, I am part of the advocacy team that puts on the case that's in their best interest to go to a hospital for a period of time. Yeah. And so people can live their whole life. They can live a very productive life with mental health <laughs> issues and the same with dementia, but is it progressing to the point where we need to have that care? Yeah. You know, the average life expectancy following a diagnosis of dementia is eight to 10 years. Mm-hmm. And the average length of time between the onset of symptoms 
and an actual diagnosis is about 2.8 years, so just under three years. Mm. So it can be a long thing, and it's just a matter of whether or not it gets to the point where uh, a dementia unit is needed to take yeah. care of people. Yeah. And it's, I mean, and that's a, that is an incredibly hard decision, right? I mean, there's a point where, you know, mom wants to stay in the house. Um, I, I have, my example is my aunt and uncle, uh, my aunt began to show signs of dementia, Alzheimer's, and it was, they tried everything they could to keep her in the home, you know, as much as they, they could, but she began doing things that were dangerous, right? It, one, one of the incidences was uh, having a pot of soup on the stove and just leaving it there and it was on high. And I mean, it just, it, that was, you know, you're, you're, that's incredibly dangerous. You know, you're talking fire danger, right? Burning, scalding danger by not realizing whatever. They didn't have uh, the resources to bring somebody in because there wasn't actually anybody really in the area that was available to do that. It was a small town. They did have a, a facility for memory care. So that's where she ended up going. But it, it took a while to make that decision. And she fought it every step of the way, of course. And it's heartbreaking, right? It's, it's, it's an incredibly emotional time for any family to have to go through and make those decisions. But her husband knew at that point, my uncle Bob knew that he couldn't take care of her. I mean, he was older than her physically. He couldn't help her, right? The the the, every, the stuff that you're sharing is staggering to me. The, the thing that keeps spinning in my head, and maybe you can speak to this a little bit. I know that you said the average, right? So I'm, I'm going to some of the numbers that you sent me. Nine thousand dollars on average, nationwide average, correct? For the, yeah. the the kind of the highest level of care that's per month. And if that's the average, just think about what people in major cities are facing. I've got a buddy in Boston who told me probably two years ago that the average there in Boston was 12000 a month. So anybody who's living in a major city where they have their family, their parents are living in that city, it's not like they want to ship them out to the country to live in a facility that's cheaper. They still want to be near mom and dad, and mom and dad want to be near, near them. The numbers are absolutely mind-blowing, Greg. Yeah, and... um so this is where you know, Richard's solution that, that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, uh, yeah. it, it seems like there is, you know, really room for things like that to, to help because this is a problem uh, that is expanding the capacity of the system uh, is not enough uh, to accommodate everybody, you know, and when we think about the cost, you know, most of the listeners of this program, you know, don't have long-term care insurance. Because mm -hmm. most people don't, and, and for good reason. You know, it's been a product that the the industry has tried to create that has been problematic because there is such a um, inability for them to get a firm grip on the cost. You know, when you buy life insurance, uh, they know what the cost of death is, right? You know, that's yes, your premium. Uh, but the uh, the insurance companies that have been trying to protect against long-term care have had a real difficult time trying to find a product that um, that they have the ability to price appropriately for the market in terms of pure long-term care insurance. Mm -hmm. So most people don't buy it. Uh, some people have, and they've lost it because of rate increases over time. Uh, so it's got a bad name. And again, it's, it's earned it. Uh, but there are other things that people can do. Uh, you know, and you know, one of the things that people need to look at uh, in what we do uh, is we try to bring together 
legal and financial solutions because mm-hmm. they work in tandem in a situation like this to you know provide an appropriate income pot uh, or asset pot to to pay for the care uh, in many instances in a leveraged fashion through the use of insurance yeah. uh, where you're able to effectively get the, the the cost of care for 50 cents on the dollar that type of thing yeah um, and through use of um, legal structures you can set aside money to protect spouse or to protect legacy uh, and you know get to a point where uh, your your exposure uh, of that long-term care cost is minimized so you get to the point where it ends up being uh, part of the governmental benefit program hmm. yeah i i just yeah there's so many scenarios where it makes it very, very difficult if you don't have really good planning. And my aunt and uncle did not have long-term care insurance, of course. And the the worst part was, and I, I hate to say it this way, it's almost morbid, but my uncle went in for a little bit of heart surgery, a stint, to have a stint put in. And my my aunt had been in in the memory care facility for a little over five years at that point. Normal procedure for my uncle, but he died on the table. That was it. And he died one month before my aunt died. And so guess who came calling for the farm, all the property that was devastating. I've got five cousins, right? That, that, uh, their, their kids, that this was the, the, the house my uncle built with his father, uh, and it was five acres and so on and so forth. But because he passed before she did, the government came in and said, well, this is now you owe us for all this care and so on and so forth. And it was, they had, it had to go to auction. And it was heartbreaking to see that we went up there and helped them do a few things, but it was very, very hard on the family because so many memories were just poof, right? Nobody could afford it. Nobody could take the house and buy the house because again, what are they going to do? Move their family there and change all their jobs. And it was, it was just hard. Um, but that's not the legacy my aunt and uncle wanted for them, right? That's not yeah. the legacy they wanted for the family. Um, but it just happened that way. And, yeah, with, and with just a little bit of planning. Yeah. That could have been prevented. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and that's, that's the, the devastation of legacy uh, that you eloquently shared. You know, the, uh, what I have seen, uh, which is the devastation of the standard of living for a surviving spouse is um, – worse, equal, I don't know, you name it, depends on whatever situation you're in. But, you know, what, what I've seen is um, we have uh, one spouse, typically the male, uh, that uh, has an episode, call it dementia, uh, that leads to this long-term care. And now the surviving spouse is sitting there, you know, they, they got a million dollars between the two of them. Uh, and that's enough if used right, will support will support their life, uh, the surviving spouse's life, you know, for a long, long, long time, if mm-hmm. done right. And now they're looking at burning through 60, 70, $80,000 a year that is essentially taking life and longevity out of her equation because they haven't been able to get some guidance. Yeah. Uh, and, 
with all of these things, there are legal and financial tools that are out there that can prevent the type of de- devastation uh, that I've unfortunately seen too many times. Mm-hmm. But all this stuff, uh, it requires getting the head out of the stand, taking action, spending a little money now to prevent a tremendous loss down the road. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, you've dealt with this. You have the knowledge, the expertise to help guide people in this. So please share your contact information again so people can reach out. It's all about just preserving, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, preserving that legacy. What do you want to leave your children? Do you want to leave them a, a large burden? Do you want to, you know, do you want them to be concerned about how you're going to live the end of your days, whether that's you're the spouse that's in the facility or the spouse that's outside the facility watching the savings dwindling like you're talking about? Nobody wants that for their parents or themselves, I don't think so, or their children, right? I mean, it's uh, it reaches all, all the generations. How do they reach you so they can have this conversation and protect themselves? Yeah, so Eric, you know, most people that we work with uh, have done the right thing. They've played by the rules. They've lived frugally or, or within their means, not even yeah. frugally in many cases, but within the means, controlled costs along the way. Uh, and now they find themselves, when they are in the long-term care conversation, losing control over how much they are going to pay for this. Mm-hmm. And if they took two steps back two years earlier, then they could say, okay, this is how much I am willing to pay for this. How do we do it? Yeah, I want to, I've paid my bills along the way, yeah. but I, I don't want to lose control over this. And so those are the hard conversations that, that we, we have and that we have find our way through in many cases to, to a very successful balancing yeah. of preserving that legacy that you've talked about, preserving the income for the spouse that's still going to live a life after one has had the issue mm-hmm. uh, and controlling how much goes to the nursing home down the street. Uh, and if you're interested in having that type of conversation with me and my team, uh, you can reach out to me at greg at dupontwealth.com. That's G-R-E-G at D-U-P-O-N-T-W-E-A-L-T-H.com. Or you can just give us a ring at 614-408-0004. Greg, thank you so much for your time today. Great conversation, great information. I loved it. My pleasure, Eric. Thanks for having me. You bet. And of course, our last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont. If you have not subscribed to the podcast, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Greg comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review, as this does actually help other people find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at DuPont Wealth Solutions, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Your Financial Advocate. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of DuPont Wealth Solutions. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.